but he's got to be patient and just hold it. Haslam right up on him. He's going too early. Drives underneath. Lambie hooks it in. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the one more thing king, the finals friend of mine. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Well, I'm super excited about these next three because, well, at least these next three games. Um, I guess three pods because we're doing a live one on, what, Thursday night? Thursday, Thursday night, night on Hot Mike, you guys can join us. We're doing a game pod, and then we will uh, post that as the podcast on Friday, like always. Yeah, so uh, that'll be super exciting. We are getting different uh, DMs and tweets and stuff about, uh, like I've been getting a lot of Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell stuff. I think maybe we can hit on that, maybe on Friday's pod for game pod, maybe. Um, but possibly next week some too. But um, yeah, game four. Of this series was a uh, big time game four. A lot of stuff going into it. Second game in Dallas in the series. And I just remember, you know, just being so nervous before this game. Because as a Mavs fan, you're down 2-1. You know you can't go down 3-1. That's just, you can't let that happen. And But it's at home and you know you have the crowd. And Dallas played well at home. So I just remember going back to that Going into game four, I just remember being so nervous for this game and uh, really throughout the game, you know, how it played out. <laughs> yeah, no team had come back from down 3-1 yet. This wasn't a thing in the finals especially. This is a thing that just hadn't happened yet. Uh, the Cavaliers obviously showed in 2016 that it could happen. So five years later, that was you know a thing of the past now. But if you went down 3-1, that was like a death note in the finals. You're just not coming back from it. So, obviously, like Isaac said, we're going to break down Game 4 of the 2011 Finals, Mavs versus the Heat, uh, as we're continuing this series. If you go back a couple of days, we've done Game 3, 2, 1, as well as the season and the playoffs. We did separate pods for those, so you can go back and relive the 2011 Finals run and all of that. It's been awesome for us to go back and do it again. We did this three years ago, and now we're back to it and uh, I learn I learn and see new stuff every time I watch it uh, as I become smarter uh, maybe smarter am I smarter than I was three years ago Isaac of course we all are <laughs> I literally just got asked this today this is gonna be a, a small tangent but at high school I asked me today like hey what's the what's one piece of advice that you, that you would give me for like adulthood career it was really an open-ended question and I was, and my advice was never stop learning you can never stop learning, no matter what profession, what career, uh, being a dad, being a husband, being a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, like career, whatever role you play, you can never stop learning. So I apply that. I just had this conversation like an hour ago. That's why I would say this. But you can apply this to the finals because you can never stop learning something from this 2011 series. And now we've covered this series twice full all the way through. Everyone else is going to be doing it again next year for the 10-year anniversary. <laughs> uh, but, but also, shout out to you and myself. We'll pat ourselves on the back real quick. Because we've put out like 20, what, four pods since this <laughs> quarantine went down? 25 pods? Yes. So uh, that's more than some strong. pods we'll do in a year. That is that is very true, and we're gonna keep on trucking along. We have so many topics and stuff planned. So anyway, 
Anyway, but we're continuing with our series. This is game four. We just finished game three, which is which I titled it The Last Loss. It's the last one. Ooh. Here on out, it's just dubs, right? The map's just collecting dubs from here on out. And so we'll start with this one. Uh, like Isaac said, the big thing coming into this game was it was a must win. I mean, they even mentioned it at the start of the broadcast. Mike Brain said there's no such thing as a, a you know, must win unless uh, you know, the team already has three wins. But this is as much, as, as much of a must win as you can get in the finals at this point. And it was the Dirk flu game. I mean, we'll get into it, mm. I think. He had 101 fever coming into the game. He already had the torn tendon in his middle finger of his left hand. And he was hurting. And he was down. Uh, he came out of the gate swinging. We'll talk about that. But that was a big thing coming into this game. Yeah, I go. This is obviously the Dirk flu game in game four. I was reading. Uh, I went back and read a few articles today. And one article I read was uh, literally in, entitled, was the, was the Dirk flu game uh, more impressive than M- MJ's flu game in 97? And uh, I was interested to to read that and just comparing the two. There was a, was a little bit more pressure on Dirk's flu game compared to MJ's as far as uh, just the moment of this game in game four being down. Uh, MJ's happened in a game five. MJ was already considered best player and you know he was going to have two more games at home if they lost that game uh, Dirk here had his flu game at literally the worst time possible <laughs> at you're down 2-1 you can't go down 3-1 and you know he has the 102 fever but I want to mention something this happened uh, in between games that Doris Burke repeats uh, or what I was yeah this is my next thing so Doris says during the timeout, she reports of the trash talk that happened from the Mavs side uh, <laughs> in between games that Deshaun Stevenson. After they went down 2-1 after a loss, this is after game three, these comments came when they just got beat. Now it was the last second. We talked about it. You know, Dirk could have hit that shot. They would have gone to overtime, you know, all that. But this is some bold stuff coming from the Maverick side of things when the yeah. the Heat are looming. It's 2-1. If they get down 3-1, it's done. And then they go back to Miami. And this is this is big balls stuff. Well, yeah. Deshaun Stevenson says that they're great actors uh, with, with LeBron and Wade. Uh, you have Jason Terry saying, hey, this isn't this isn't the best defense that we've played. Uh, you even have... Um, He's not the best defense that they've played against. Talking about yeah, you know other yeah, teams they've faced, saying that this team's not as great. Basically, they're trying to dress down the, the Heat, right? And saying LeBron and Wade are great actors. You know they're flopping all the time which and all this are. stuff, which will come, which will come up in this game for sure. And Correct statements. The Jason Terry comment though, mm. talking about LeBron James. Yeah, saying, solid. He stopped me in games one through three. Let's see if he can do it for a seven-game series. Let's go! The idea that LeBron could wear down when he was checking Jason Terry was something that was, you know, passed around at least in in public, not just around the Mavericks, but in public as well. Uh, And so basically, like you know, when you poke the beast, this is what (laughs) this is what Jason Terry was trying to do, and. Hey, the heat I mean, response to it though was the my result favorite. sort of spoke for itself in this game. We'll get to it. Yeah, Doris said that LeBron said that they watch Sports Center and they're gonna let their game do the talking. And then they she talked to Wade and Wade said, Hey, LeBron's not gonna wear down. And then she's like, But the best comment of all was from Chris Bosch, who said, Do you have it? No, go, go. Oh, who said, Hey, we're gonna let the dogs. Or we're gonna wait, wait, wait. I haven't wrote it down. Where what is it at? Let the let the dogs sleep or let them lie or something. And I have a, I have so many notes now. 
And basically, it's like it's the whole poking <laughs> the giant thing. They should have let the sleeping dog lie. There you go. And uh, I started just laughing <laughs> because now it's just incredible. That's that like your head to toe thing. We're, we're head to the, the, no, the are going head, head to toe. I've actually used before this one. I just didn't even, I, I didn't write it down wrong. So, uh, <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. This is big stuff coming from the, from the Mavs uh, on their side of it. And, uh, Jason Terry just poking the bear, uh, with LeBron James. And in this game, Man, we'll, we'll get to it. All right, we'll, we'll get to it. Coming up, let's start this actual breakdown of this game. We'll go through the game step-by-step, step and we'll talk about why these comments were so big and how the Mavericks actually followed through with this. Coming up. All right, Isaac, let's start breaking down Game 4, 2011 NBA Finals, Mavs versus Heat. This is the Mavs are down 2-1 in this series. Uh, it starts off a quick 6-0 burst from the Mavericks. Dirk hits his first three shots. The Mavs forced three turnovers from the Heat. It was just, it seemed pretty dominant. It was only about a two-minute run or two-and-a-half-minute run or so, but just three possessions in a row. Dirk got a good shot, hit hit his shot, and then the Heat would turn it over on the other side. Just sloppy ball from the Heat. Uh, and then Le- then Bosch came back and scored six points of his own to tie it. But that start from Dirk with the flu game, with the finger, yeah. all that. Like, it just, it was building towards something special, and then it kind of changed after that. But the start was awesome. Yeah, start was amazing. We saw the uh, the lineup change in this one. They, you know, Rick Carlisle decided to go with JJ Barea over Deshaun Stevenson. JJ Barea had only started in two regular season games <laughs> this entire year, and I mean, if for lack of better terms, this is big balls move here for Rick Carlisle of hey, I'm gonna take Deshaun out and put JJ Barea into the starting lineup. You could say this is the first time the beacon was lit. Ooh, that's true. I posted that today. With we've been doing these threads on Twitter. You can follow me at Nick Van Exit. Follow Isaac at Isaac L Harris. Follow Lockdown Mavs at Lockdown Mavs on Twitter. We've been doing these threads as we rewatch these games, tweeting out stuff that we notice and clips and things like that. And I put the beacon with with my uh, my uh, thread today. So J- JJ Barea does get the start instead of Deshaun Stevenson. Deshaun Stevenson actually plays more minutes in the game than, than JJ Barea, but. J.J. Barea was so impactful in this game. He, he gets the start. So it's Kidd, Barea, Marion, Dirk, and Tyson versus the normal Heat lineup of Mike Bibby, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Chris, and Joel Anthony. So they get the start. Dirk starts, you know, the game pretty, you know, pretty hot on fire. Chris Bosh as well is kind of answering every single shot that Dirk hits. And then the Mavericks basically go on a four-minute scoring drought. I mean, they've there's been times in these finals where teams just couldn't find a bucket on either side. Yeah, I mean, um, I was thinking back to uh, the the lineup change and just taking Deshaun out, and you obviously lose a lot of defense with that. And you go with JJ in there. You have Jason Kidd and, and Bray in this backcourt, and big time, big time move by Rick. But also just the Dirk start to that. They just got the whole arena. And like you said, I mean, he hit those first three shots, but then he goes cold. And just seeing, I will talk. I have some post game quotes I want to mention towards the end of this pod of just how the team rallied around Dirk. They knew how he was feeling. They knew that I mean he was nowhere near a hundred percent. But hearing quotes from Tyson and Sean Marion, which what is, what did Marion finish with in this game? Marion finished with sixteen points in this game, which is big time for him. Uh, just seeing these guys step up uh, in, in this game was 
just incredible. Just, I don't know, seeing the team rally around Dirk, I, I love that. But I love how you mentioned Bosch's first half because Bosch had 16 points in the first half, and he had a monster first half for the Heat. Yeah, this is a big game for Chris Bosch, at least the first half for sure. Um, we also got first quarter custodian. Instead of Peja coming in for Dirk, they decided to sub in Brian Cardinal. He gets some minutes at the beginning, which is just fascinating. Uh, <laughs> just why they would put Brian Cardinal in, but uh, who's, who's the Brian Cardinal equivalent to to like a good team in today's game? Oh, I was gonna say Brian Scalabrini, but he's not today. Um, yeah. It would be like, let's see if it. <laughs> You're just thinking of white guys. All I could think of was white guys. White dudes. <laughs> I was like Alex Caruso. No, he's too good. And I was like, uh. let's say Caruso. Yeah. Uh, but it, it also shows you it also shows you a little bit of like that's having these type of guys. So you have somebody like Brian Cardinal who's a smart basketball player. He knows maybe how to get underneath some players' skin a little bit. He does the right things, he'll take a charge, and sometimes those intangibles mean more than athleticism. And you see that, you've seen that with like Jason Kidd. I I wrote down this uh this point in the second quarter that Mark Jackson says, and he says Hey, this is when you know Dallas went on this big scoring drought, and Jason Kidd was waiting to come in. He said they have to get Jason Kidd in the game just to settle the game down. And I know I've harped on this before, but just the having the presence of a 38 year old Jason Kidd or 39. What do we 39 say? 39 at this point. 30, yeah. 39 at this point. That's what. And that just his presence on the floor of knowing exactly what to do. This is why guys like this can stick around in the league because they can always help teams just settle it down, make the right play, make the right pass. And you saw that so much with Jason Kidd on this team. I thought of an equivalent. Now this player in the NBA now is a better player than Brian Cardinal was, but uh, on the Lakers, it's Jared Dudley. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, Jared. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> Jared Dudley's a better player than Brian Cardinal was in 2011, but uh, yeah, that's the equivalent right now. <laughs> Shooter, big boned. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that one. So, uh, Brandon Hayward was also back. We should mention that he only played three minutes in this game, <laughs> but he did come yes. back. Uh, so we didn't get Jan Mahimi in this. Um, and then, with 40 seconds left in the first quarter. We get Deshaun Stevenson picking up LeBron full court, and then they set a screen for LeBron. LeBron, you know, takes the screen and they switch. Brendan Haywood is guarding LeBron, and then Brendan Haywood slightly touches him with his left hand. LeBron flails backwards. They get a foul on Brendan Haywood. LeBron, I think, goes to the line at that point, and then a technical foul on Carlisle. And I'll just let you take it from here. I mean, that's just this is what I mean. Deshaun didn't call them actors for nothing. This is what they did. And it, it was so stupid. I hated this. I loved how Rick Carlo went off about it. They just just flopped and stuff. I, I think what was more impressive uh, in that play or after that play was just Mark Jackson coming through with a consistency, bro. You have been on Team LeBron your entire life. And at least he stayed cons- consistent with it because Jeff Van Gundy's going off about the flop and LeBron <laughs> selling it. And then Mark Jackson comes in with the, well, I mean, what's he, what's he supposed to do? Not try to sell it? I'm like, yes, Mark Jackson. My you're man, not, what do you want them to like, do? God, Hand Mark, down, man down. Mark Jackson on that Bron. Go Pango. ahead and flop. Go ahead and flop. <laughs> Clutch Come represent on. Mark Jackson? 
Uh, well, he's trying to get back in the NBA at this point. He's still he's trying to get an NBA job, I think, at this point. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he was about to be the Warriors coach, right? I don't remember. Yeah, I he should have so. been, right? Because he, he stopped being the Warriors coach, and then they went crazy. At one point, he did talk about Monte and Steph when they were talking about best two guards, and uh, he was talking about Wade being behind Kobe and, and uh, MJ. As two best two guards in the game, and I will have to say, man, Dwayne Wade played a heck of a game in this game. That, I mean, next, he, that next season, he was the coach of the Warriors, 2011-2012. Oh, well. um, Wade had some crazy shots in this game. Wade had a crazy block on Tyson. He had this two game. crazy blocks in this game that were just nuts. Like the yeah. the way that he could get up, and he he's one of the best shot blocking guards I think ever, maybe the yeah. best. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He was a really good uh, shot blocking. Uh, Two guard, I guess. Well, I do want to mention this real quick. We've thrown out there a lot, and Mavs fans have thrown this out there of the Seth Curry being a Jet Jason Terry 2.0. And I can't help to just when I'll see Jason Terry come off the bench and play this type of role, I'm like, dang, I wish Seth, I, I wish Seth could play this role, which he, you know, he has in, in a little bit, but I wish Seth could fully lean in and embrace that Jason Terry type role. Cause I just see him get buckets and I'm like, dang, there is just, it, it just resembles a Seth Curry type of role on this current Mavs team. And I don't know. It's just, if I'm Seth Curry, I'm watching Jason Terry tape all the time. So they go back and forth, back and forth, tied at 21 after the first quarter, uh, after the Tech on Carlisle. They go back and forth in the second quarter. Uh, Mavs go on a little 9-0 run there at the end. Deshaun Stevenson hit a couple of really big threes in this quarter. Um, Bosch was killing the Mavs again. He had eight points in the second through like <laughs> the first four minutes. And then um, at halftime, Mavs are down just by two. Bosch had 16 points in the first half. Dirk started the three of three that we mentioned. He was one of seven from the field since then. Uh, at halftime, Mavs are down only two. Go through the third quarter, and um, the third quarter not not a ton happened. They were going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I think there was like twelve thousand lead changes in this. Uh, they were tied a couple times at this point. Dirk has his first free throw miss of the finals. His first free throw miss in almost I think forty attempts in a row in the playoffs, uh, with about you know four minutes left to go in the third quarter, and then LeBron. Has a dunk with at three minutes, a transition dunk, and then at one minute and 20 seconds, LeBron hits a pull-up jumper. <gasps> minute 20 left in the third quarter of a finals choked. game. I think I'm choking on something. He hits a pull-up jumper to get to eight points, and that is the last points he will score in this game. Hashtag best player in the world. Insane. Um, I mean, absolutely insane to think about that. Uh, you brought up earlier that LeBron and Wade said, that, oh, we, we listened to SportsCenter. We saw those comments. You think that's the last time somebody mentioned that casually in conversation and say, oh, we saw it on SportsCenter? Because now it's just, oh, we saw it on Twitter or we saw, Twitter, it, yeah. we saw it on, on, the, on the internet. Um, man, like Twitter was around during 2011, but can you imagine if Twitter was what it was now and LeBron does um, this? I mean, he doesn't score again in the, in the fourth quarter at all. He played... 46 minutes in this game it's not like he didn't play right like he just does not score i know this is like i'm just injecting you with all kinds of like pheromones right now just just like you hearing this i mean uh there's children listening so i won't get into any more graphic analogies about what you're probably going through right now but lebron doesn't score the entire fourth quarter this is insane to me we i don't think we talk about this enough 
No, we do not, Nick. We do not talk about uh, LeBron uh, choking in this finals. This is, I mean, we've talked about this before. He was considered the best player in the world, and he gets to the biggest stage. And there is something, actually, I don't want to go down this whole thing about the whole finals record and all this stuff, but it does, it does to me, and we can all have different opinions, it does mean something to me that on the biggest stage, the biggest stage of, that your game has the, to offer, and you fail, especially in this type of fashion, in this series, I think it does mean something. And so, and in this game, I mean, game four, he attempts 11 shots. He goes three of 11 from the field. And like you said, he doesn't score in a huge pivotal game. I mean, I searched game four storylines just on Google today. This this one was an incredible uh, storyline. The only one that I still have pulled up as a tab on my computer. NBA Finals, this is on Bleacher Report, 2011. Did LeBron James tank game four for the Miami Heat? And it's like this whole article just ripping and saying that LeBron just like tanked it and, and all this stuff, which I don't, yeah, that's not true. But still, it, it does mean something. And it's crazy. I, I want to know truthfully what was going on through in Wade's head in this game. It's like, all right, Bron, are you going to come help me? Because it was pretty much just a one-man show, which is crazy because – the Heat's supporting cast and everything always gets bashed, and LeBron was a no-show in this fourth quarter, and Dwayne Wade almost like wins this game like without without LeBron doing hardly anything. So, um, it, yeah, it was a collapse on, on LeBron's part for sure. And the reason why we talked about the supporting cast of the Heat on you know Game Three is because. They need LeBron, Wade, and Bosh to just pull their weight and then some. And Le- LeBron didn't do it in this game. And the rest of the sporting cast wasn't going to step up in any way, uh, in any big way. And so they lose this game because of, of LeBron James. And they still had a chance to win it towards the end, which we'll get to. Uh, but man, yeah, LeBron James, the last time he scores in game four, 2011 NBA, and he's 26. It's not like this was, you know, yeah. the 2007 finals or anything like that where he was just, yeah. you know, super young. Uh, it's wild. Uh, but he changed teams, and when, with changing teams, that comes a new way of playing. That comes, you know, a hierarchy that they still had to figure out at this point on the Heat side. And, you know, LeBron would defer to Dwayne Wade a little bit too much, it felt like, in this game specifically. And they hadn't figured that out yet. And that's what comes with, you know, switching teams and all that. So not one, not two, not one more bucket from LeBron James in this game. So coming up, (laughs) let's get into the fourth quarter of this game, figure out how it ends and break it all down. Coming up. All right, Isaac, let's break down the end of this game. Um, The Mavericks are down by four, 65-69. Nice. Going into the fourth quarter. Um, and then with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. the 10 minutes and 11 seconds. The, because this is a huge moment for me. The Heat are up by uh, nine. The Heat had gone on a 13-1 run from the end of the third quarter into the beginning of the fourth quarter. And uh, this was, I mean, this was put up or shut up time for the Mavericks. This, this was a dark moment. This was literally the, the bullet point of... 10-11 left in the game. Heat up by nine. Dirk is, I mean, he's just not himself. The flu game, which, what, it, this, okay, this is another thing. <laughs> they didn't give the Dirk flu game, like, the Dirk flu stuff, like, they would, if that they didn't happened talk about it at, at all after Doris Hardly did. at all. Like, if that happened in today's finals, 
and it was LeBron or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or any of the big names. Literally, we would be going nuts of them talking about it so much. And you like you would forget about it. If you if you didn't hear Doris talk about it, and I mean they probably mentioned it what less than five times? Probably the entire game. And, and Dirk, like they only really mentioned it when they t- had shots of the bench and he looked miserable, right? Like that's yeah. the only time they really brought it up was when they could actually visibly see it. So that part drove me nuts because I'm like, come on, like why why does why is this not being made a big deal that he's playing through this? But it's 10-11 left in the game, heater up by nine. Dirk is just he's missing shots, he's turning over a little bit, and this was the most worried I'd been the entire series. Because I was scared. This I was scared, and I, I I was legit in this moment. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like he could, you know, he could go on. Dirks is he's out of it. He's sick. You know, the team's gonna have to rally around this. Not that I lost complete, like all hope in this, but that was the moment that I was worried the most that it was gonna go a dark path. Yeah, it was a big deal because the Heat, um, you know, could score in bunches. They could go on these little runs, and it just all of a sudden seemed like the Mavericks wouldn't come back. I think we mentioned this a couple times. Just the Heat could go on these really quick runs. But they couldn't put a stranglehold on the game. There's just something about, and maybe it's the half-court offense again that we talked about, that they just couldn't put a stranglehold on the game and continue to score. They had, to, they were really reliant on getting stops, creating turnovers, and then scoring in transition or scoring on these, you know, outlet passes. LeBron, especially, I mean, he was scoring pretty much only on outlet passes in this game. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, you know, live, watching it live, you didn't know LeBron wasn't going to score again, and it was, it would be really dumb to assume that. However. With five minutes and twelve seconds left, the Mavs take their first lead um, mm-hmm. since the since the Heat started to go on this run. They go up 79-78. Dallas is on a fourteen to four run. Miami had five turnovers in that run. Jet and Dirk had six points each in that run, so it finally started to rev up for everybody. It felt like Jet was hitting shots, Dirk was hitting shots, Miami was turning the ball over themselves. Dallas was going on this run, and Dallas just wouldn't be put away. I mean. We talk about the you know the failures of the Heat in this game, I think, but Dallas was sticking around. They were not giving up. They were going to continue to keep fighting in this game, and it finally sort of broke through for them in the about midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you had to come away with three main storylines of the game, it's the Dirk flu game for sure, and it's LeBron, you know, no showing eight points. But this is also, I think, a, a huge part of this game is the supporting cast of Dallas. And you see all of them kind of rally together. I thought, man, I thought the game Tyson Chandler played was absolutely incredible. Uh, the just the passion. He's. I literally was sitting there watching this fourth quarter. I'm like, how far up the list is he in my favorite Dallas match? I'm like, <laughs> I'm li- debating. I'm like, is he? Do I like him more than Luca right now? Like, is he farther up my favorite Mavericks list just because of what we've? would have went through with Tyson than Luca is right now. I think he is. I just I love Tyson Chandler that much and what he meant for that team. But yeah, they, they go on the run. They start going zone a little bit. Mavs threw a little yeah. zone out there, which which you know threw them off a little bit with like eight something to go in the game. They go on the 14 to 4 run. There is a play at four minutes and 36 seconds left in the game in which Tyson goes in for a dunk and Wade fouls him at the rim. And I'm just gonna say if Tyson threw that down, <laughs> it would have been like maybe like top three play of all time for me because <laughs> and he honestly should have throw, threw it down because Wade hits like his elbows. But if Tyson completed that, 
it would have been a play that I would have, I don't know, watched every morning of my life just to get hyped, and it would have been amazing. <laughs> Again, I will ignore the graphic analogies I'm thinking about. <laughs> um, yeah, so they go on this run, and at four minutes and 36 seconds, it's 80 to 78. The Mavericks are up by two. They go on a, t- both teams go on a two minute drought in crunch time. Just nobody yeah. can score back and forth. Nobody can hit a bucket. Dirk finally breaks that with a couple of free throws. Bosch comes back. He hits a couple of free throws. And then I wrote Tyson has been a monster. He has 16 yeah. total boards in this game, nine offensive rebounds in this game. Just an absolute monster. In the, the first half, late too. in the first half, it turned it. The the Mavericks were really losing the battle in the trenches, like around the rim. That, you know that we mentioned yesterday on the show. The you know the rebounding, the setting screens, all that kind of stuff. That the Mavericks were really losing that. They weren't getting boards. Uh, the Mavericks actually got out rebounded in this game. The, the Heat had forty four rebounds and the Mavericks had forty one. But in the second half, Tyson was the one controlling it. I mean, he had nine offensive rebounds, like we mentioned. He was just an absolute monster. His energy, all that stuff, was huge in this game. Um, no, I was just say he had some huge boards late, and Rick also going with Deshaun Stevenson late over Sean Marion uh, for a lot of that fourth quarter down the stretch. I know they showed Marion over on the bench, and I, I wonder, um, yeah, I wonder what he's thinking in that moment and really coming out of that game because you know a big competitor like him, he wants to be on the floor, but if your team's winning, that's what matters the most. So I know it had to be hard for him uh, not being out there, but the and having you know the the shooter and Stevenson out there, and I think it was under a minute to go. Stevenson misses that corner three, and if he would have hit that man, another play, another what if, because that would have been a massive moment for Dallas. He would have hit that in front of Miami's bench, probably would have turned around, did who knows what uh, to that bench. <laughs> he and would've, I would just he would have grabbed his Dirk. He, he very well could have. <laughs> yeah, there's 40 seconds left. Deshaun Stevenson is wide open in the corner. Uh, they had doubled you know, off of Deshaun Stevenson onto Jason Kidd, and so he's wide open in the corner. He misses it. Uh, the Miami or Dallas would have gone up five at that point, and points are super hard to come by at this point, so that would have been huge. But he ends up missing that shot, and then the other end, Dwayne Wade you know, gets an outlet pass. He's all by himself, and then Jason Kidd somehow tracks him down, by the way. 39-year-old Jason Kidd is the one that tracks him down, almost gets the chase down block, but then fouls him. Wade hits one of his two free throws with 30 seconds left, so Dallas is only up one at this point, and then another mm. huge, probably the, I mean, the second biggest, maybe the biggest play in Dirk Nowitzki's career. Um an incredible play that we'll get to in a second. Oh, I was, I was ready to go into it. Okay, Tw- 29 seconds left. Jet inbounds the ball to Kidd, and then Dirk has the ball basically on the nail, closer to the right elbow. He's letting the clock wind down. There's about f- five seconds difference between shot clock and game clock. Udonis Which Haslam is really, Udonis really Haslam weird is on guy him. hold the ball right there. Because yeah. normally got, people hold the ball like, you know, out near ha- half court. He's literally inside the arc, <laughs> holding the ball, being like just guarded one on one. Nobody's doubling him. So facing the other way, his back is to the basket. <laughs> so it was very odd because somebody, yes. especially Wade or LeBron, could come out of nowhere and just try and take the ball away from him. Uh, but he was looking. Finally, he faced him up and he just basically dribbled right. And then just went around Udonis Haslam. I mean, it didn't even put any moves on him, no jabs or anything. It was just the timing and the way he had his dribbles and the way he 
hit the, the ball on the ground, which is a dribble. But the way he dribbled the ball in the exact time where Udonis Haslam was paused in his sl- defensive slide to where he could get yeah. the ball up. And then Wade came flying over from the weak side, trying like two-handed trying to block. His head is about eight inches from the rim, trying to get the block on this layup. But Dirk gets it off just quick enough off the, the backboard. You know how you're playing in knockout? And, you know, the game where you, you know, you shoot, the person behind you shoots, and the person behind you shoots it and gets it in before you, you're out. And if you're the person ahead, you have to grab that rebound if you miss that first shot and just throw that layup up as fast as you possibly can. And it usually isn't high off the glass. It's usually really low and about, you know, about maybe level with the, the you know, the rim. You have to throw that ball off real fast and ricochet off the, the backboard into the rim because you have to beat that other ball from coming in in knockout. That's the way that this layup kind of went in. He had to just run up quickly and just throw that ball off real quick so that Wade couldn't get to it because Wade was coming. He was full. I mean, he just absolutely flew at this ball. And again, LeBron didn't help off the strong side corner that he was on. So this is the same thing that happened in game two that we talked about in game three. He came and actually helped off of, and now this play comes up again. He doesn't help off Terry. Dirk gets the layup in. Mavericks go up 84-81 with 14 seconds left. Man, this play was, yeah, absolutely crazy. The angle that he banked it in. But I think the timing of this play meant the world because as soon as he, so there's 29 seconds left. He's holding the ball. And Jeff Van Gundy <laughs> says, he's like, hey, he, he's got to, you know, he's got to you know, kill the time, kill the clock. And immediately, Dirk goes at like the 16 second mark and Van goes, well, he's, he's going too early and Dirk scores and, you know, everybody's going nuts. Mark Jackson's talking about how great it was and Van Gundy's like trying to hold off because he wants to just roast it for saying it's too early because it left 14 seconds on the on the clock, but I absolutely loved it because that's why he got the shot. Everybody in the arena knew that Dirk was just going to hold the ball until the end of the shot clock and you know what was probably going to happen if he held the ball at the end of the shot clock? He's probably going to get double so the Heat probably was expecting him to just wait, hold the ball until what, five seconds left and then make his move. They're probably going to bring a help defender and then you're daring somebody else to shoot the ball, which is exactly what happened in game three whenever Jason Terry you know, missed the shot in the corner. They doubled Dirk when he passed out a triple team to Sean Marion to the corner when she was cutting and they took the ball out of Dirk's hands except with the exception of the very last shot. But I thought the timing made it all possible. You know Haslam was probably waiting for him to, you know, just to kill the clock. He gets the split second, you know, move on Hasm, catches everyone off guard, and he, he scores the be- bucket. And I just I thought that was brilliant. I think it caught everyone off guard. I don't know if that was designed by Rick. I don't know if that was just Dirk calling it in the moment saying, hey, I'm just gonna go now and just catch him off guard a little bit. But I thought the timing of it was incredible, despite leaving 14 points on, on the you know, I mean 14 seconds on the board. I, I thought that was an an underrated part of that, even though Van Gundy hated it. Yeah, the timing of starting his move and the timing of his move, you know, like dribbling the ball in just the right time, getting it off the backboard, like the combination of those two just makes yeah. it an incredible play. And uh, so the Mavericks are up by by three with, a, with 14 seconds left. The Heat had only hit two threes the entire game, and Mike Miller was the only one that had hit threes. He was 2 of 5. The rest of the team was 0 for, uh, was at 12. 0 for 12 in this game. LeBron had missed three. Bibby had missed one. Wade had missed two. And so the Mavs may not have been worried about the Heat hitting a three. Like, if they have to hit a three to tie the game, so be it. So go ahead, 
you know, and uh, like go ahead, Dirk, Dirk, and go early. That might have been the thing from that may have been the thing from the timeout. Um, Which game, game four NBA Finals? Heat hits two threes, and the Mavericks hit four threes in this game <laughs> total. Just letting y'all know, like, someone does win. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy now. So Wade decides to go. He he gets a switch and Tyson is guarding him out on the perimeter. Uh, and then he ends up going for the quick bucket. He dunks the ball and holds onto the rim. Like he, you know, just won the game or something, yeah. uh, but they're down one, nine seconds left. And then, uh, jet gets the ball in the backcourt off the inbounds. He runs around a little bit. LeBron finally catches up to him with 6.7 left. And then jet goes the line, hits two free throws. And that basically ends the game. Mavs win game four. Mm. Incredible, incredible for the Mavericks. And then they tie the series two two. Yeah, well, I do want to say, you know, Wade, you know, fumbled the fumbled the catch on, you know, when they were going for the their last possession there, and you know, the oh, do you, do you want the me ball. to do it? No, I just want to say the, the Heat. Do you want me to go through there. it? Wade dribbles it off his leg for the most part, makes a crazy <laughs> save in the backcourt, by the way, which is insane. Uh, but still, um, yeah, good job, Wade. You fumbled that opportunity, but uh heck of a clutch free throws by jason terry too absolutely mavs Mavs win massive dang we didn't even get to talk about just the importance of let me just say this one quote and then we can go tyson chandler after the game uh he says this on the uh, championship dvd he says i know how much this guy's been through talking about dirk playing you know in his whole career and he said we can't allow dirk being sick to cost him his ring Mm. And I just love that quote from Tyson. Uh, Sean Marion had a few, you know, quotes about it too. Of just them picking up the the mantle, really, for Dirk in this game, knowing that he was so sick. There's different reports saying he could barely talk during the game. He had a 102 fever during the game. Uh, just Rick talking about, yeah, the, yeah, trying to get him like different type of rest and minute spurts and all this different stuff. But I just love that quote from Tyson of, hey. We're not going to let Dirk being sick tonight. We're not going to let that cost him his ring. His ring. I love how they, he said that, too. And it's just, it shows you how much this team loved Dirk. And the, the veteran presence of all those guys. I mean, just knowing yeah. and having gone through things like this and knowing what it means for a superstar to get a title like this, um, you know, meant a lot. And to not give it up and not squander it because you never know when you're going to have a chance again. Whereas on the other side, we can do this again, the comparisons and contrasting, but. The Heat were saying not one, not two, not three, talking about their titles, and it seemed like their full career was ahead of them thinking about what they could do together, whereas Dirk was on the end of it. So the desperation from the Mavericks side, trying to get it for Dirk, whereas the Heat were like, oh, we'll be back next year. We'll have we'll have the next quarter. We'll have the next minute. We'll have the next game. All this. Uh, and the desperation from the Mavericks proved to be their advantage, at least in this game. So there you go. That's game four. Guys, we'll be back with Game 5 and again with Game 6. We're excited to go through this. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.